Welcome to Thinking About Adoption, a podcast brought to you by AdoptMatch. We are your hosts, birth mom and AdoptMatch policy director, Kelsey Vanderblade-Ranyard. And AdoptMatch co-founder and adoption attorney, Celeste Liversidge. We're here to cut through the noise and tell you the truth about what to expect before, during, and after an adoption, and to make sure you connect with the right support and people along the way. Through information and education, our goal is to preserve adoption as a safe and accessible option for women facing an unintended pregnancy. If you're considering adoption and need help or just want to learn more about the process, visit AdoptMatch.com, where you'll find everything you need to know about adoption, along with a directory of ethical adoption attorneys, agencies, and a wide range of awesome waiting adoptive parents. Listen to Thinking About Adoption on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you've heard, please take a minute to leave us a review. Today, we're talking about what happens at the hospital. We have a question. What happens at the hospital? Will I have time alone with my baby? And will the adoptive parents be there? All good questions. That raises the larger question of what the heck happens at the hospital in an adoption from the very beginning to the time everyone leaves. There's always so much fear around that for everyone. A lot of times, hospitals don't really know they, they're not familiar with adoption. They haven't dealt with a lot of, adopt, of adoptions. They, um, and they really don't, they don't understand the process. And a lot of times they have the people that you encounter at the hospital, whether it's the nurse or the social worker, have the, their own biases about adoption, their, their own thoughts and feelings. So it's really important to go into the process with a plan in place. And again, like all these other things we're talking about, this requires time and effort with people who know what they're doing, licensed agencies, attorneys who have had a lot of experience in in helping people successfully navigate this process. So planning is everything. And I, I find that when adoptive parents and expectant moms can sit down with a social worker, ideally, and make a plan and talk through these issues, the level of anxiety is significantly decreased. And they can go in knowing fully that the plan can change. Of course, it's fluid. It can change at any time. But but at least there's the outline is there. So here's what happens with that plan. So literally, you sit down with a social worker or with your attorney. You make the plan. It's put in writing. And that plan is given to the hospital. So Ideally, when you when mom goes into labor, you go in, you're admitted to the hospital, and in your chart is a copy of this. It's literally called a hospital plan, and it tells the hospital who all the players are, the names of the adoptive parents, your name, and what you guys have talked about as far as how you want things to go. And we'll run through all those different factors. When you are making a hospital plan, it's important to be honest and a a little assertive about what you want for your hospital experience. This is your chance to have the time that you want with your baby. They're going to ask you things like, do you want to nurse? Do you want to have the baby in your room at night during the day? What does that schedule look like? Do you want skin to skin time? Stuff like that. And these are all really important things to think about. Um, But I would encourage you because we do hear expectant moms ask all the time, like, oh, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't um, know if I can handle that. I don't even know if I want to see the baby. The thing is that don't let fear lead you in your decisions. This, like I said before, this is your time. You should be able to do all of those things if you choose. So don't 
be afraid to ask for what you want and to state what you want. Yeah, and the value of doing that ahead of time is that you're setting everyone's expectations. So mm-hmm. in the middle of things, if you know, it's so much harder in the middle of things, the adoptive parents find out, oh, she, she, you know, she wants to have mom, she wants to have, she wants to have baby, you know, room in with her, or she wants to spend time alone with the baby. And it signals to them that either something's going awry with your decision or you're, you're changing your mind. So no, this is part of the plan. This is, this was all, this is all expected. Here's how it's going to go. You're going to spend time with baby that the fear is at the, is at the heart of a heart of a lot of this. And you cannot be driven by that, but you also cannot be driven by the desire to please or to do what you think is going to be pleasing to either the adoptive parents or to the social worker or anyone else from the agency. You want to look back and know that you made these decisions based on what you think was thought was best for you and best for, for your child. And you're not never going to get this time back. And that's not to say that if you change your mind while you're in the hospital about certain aspects, that's not okay because it totally is. But if you're a proactive planner like I am, Hmm. that was important to me to have things written down and ready to go. So there was no confusion. And I do think if you're able to make that process a little streamlined, there's nothing wrong with that. Kels, did you have time alone with your son yeah. during, in the hospital. Yeah, I spent three, two and a half days, two nights with him. And I had said ahead of time, like I want skin to skin time. I want to have him in my room with me the whole time. The adoptive parents can come visit, but I don't want them to be here all of the time or in labor and delivery. Were they worried about that? Do you think that stressed them out? I think if they were worried about that, they did not let me know. I'm sure that naturally that they had fears and securities about that situation, but they did not disclose that to me, which I think was um, super respectful. And because I think as adults, we all have our own stuff to work through, our own insecurities and fears. That doesn't mean that we have to tell the other party all the time about them. But there's a time and a place for sure. But I think that they were just respectful of me and my time. And I didn't really even have to explain myself to them about it. It was, it. I made my choice. This is what it was. And that's what happened. Everybody respected my time in the hospital. Did you guys have that plan ahead of time? Did you communicate yeah. that mm-hmm. ahead of time? Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of things I didn't know. This was my first baby. And if you're listening and this might not be your first baby, you already know how this goes. But if you don't know how this goes, for me, I that's where I was. And there's some things like skin to skin time where I'm like, I don't really know. Is there a benefit to that? And the answer is yes. But I didn't know that. So skin to skin for the birth mother and baby? Or are you talking about skin to skin with birth the mother and parent? baby? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just right after he was born, they put you, put the baby on you. And that skin to skin time is great for health benefits, like regulating their body temperature and bonding and everything else. But also just, it's just an hour of your life. Like you'll never get back and it's a beautiful moment. And it's what you've been, you've been pregnant for nine months. This is what you've been waiting for to meet your little guy, little gal. Like, I think that's just a special moment. Were you worried about, my gosh, if I do that, then I'm going to, I'm going to bond and it's going to be too hard to go forward with the adoption? You know, I, I don't think bonding was even like a 
thought in my mind, like whether I should or should not. I was very disconnected from my pregnancy due to just like traumatic. It was a traumatic pregnancy and it was a scary, lonely time in my life. So I don't think that during pregnancy I was super connected to this baby that I was carrying. But I think as soon as he was born, it just hit me like a ton of bricks and I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. And often you hear that you can, yeah, you can prepare and you can plan, but the emotional um, intensity of the experience, especially if you haven't gone through it, can be, can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. That's why getting counseling support during the pregnancy is so important to to be as prepared as possible. Every expectant mom is going to encounter the hospital social worker during her stay. This is the person who sometimes does some paperwork and is there to make sure that mom's not feeling pressured, that mom's needs are getting met. And look, sometimes this hospital social worker is great, and sometimes um, they need a little bit more more training. How was your experience? It was very brief, whereas when I moved out to California and was working in adoption, it's a different experience. And I, I think that's really telling whatever state you're going to be in, they're going to do things differently. It was a brief conversation. I I would say I had more interaction with the nurses, more conversations with my nurses than my social worker. And how were they? Were they supportive? It was about half and half. I think, and I think in a lot of rural communities, you may find some of the nurses at the hospital may not be super understanding of your decision. Mm -hmm. That's just what I've heard from other birth moms. You can ask for a different nurse. And I think that's super important. No one knows that. No by one the way. knows that. You can ask for a different nurse. You don't deserve to be disrespected, and that should never happen. And I was, I definitely had that on my last day there. My nurse was terrible to me, and I, it didn't end well. I didn't ask for a different nurse because I was being discharged. I just cussed her out on my way out of the room. Like, I, If you have a nurse like that a whole entire day, you should consider asking to speak to the charge nurse or someone that, you know, her supervisor, so you can get a different nurse. There's nothing wrong with that. Or tell your attorney or your social worker, Mm -hmm. because none of these things you have to do yourself because you're... For I'm sure, in a for really sure. vulnerable position sure. in these circumstances, and there should be an advocate standing by to to have these conversations on your behalf. If you're not feeling up to it, which often you're not, it's that you're in a you're in a tough position in the first place. I want to talk about? Oh, and to be fair, there are a lot of really awesome oh, nurses yeah. oh, and social workers. I had that really are super great supportive. nurses. So for that one bad nurse, I have five awesome nurses. Mm-hmm. And but make sure that you you're allowed to have access to those really great nurses. You don't have to be stuck with a curmudgeon nurse. So yeah. And you never know what her, what she's bringing to the table. I always tell my clients, there's going to be that nurse or that social worker. And this is probably what they're going to say. And they're going to question you and they're going to have their own, whatever their own experience they bring into Mm -hmm. these set of circumstances. And so I want you to look back and say, oh yeah, this is the nurse that's that Celeste told me about, and just to be to be ready. I want to talk about pause, positive pause talks, um, what that means. That if a baby is born with any sorts of drug or, drugs or alcohol in their system, the hospital social worker is in all states legally obligated to report that to the local social services child protection agency, and. When that happens, that doesn't mean the adoption can't go forward. The adoption absolutely can. And as long as that 
as long as the county knows that, that an adoption plan is in place and that child's going to be protected and is not going to be at risk for being in a situation where they're not properly being cared for, then the adoption is the adoption will be protected. In that situation, it becomes tricky when baby's born with a positive toxicology and mom is, starts to question her decision about whether to make an adoption plan. And oftentimes, some pressure can be brought to bear on mom where someone says to her, whether it's the adoptive parent's attorney or the social worker at the hospital or an agency worker who says, look, your child's going to be taken away by social services. So even though you're questioning your decision and you want to parent, you're really not going to have the chance to, and you should go forward with the adoption. That is really frustrating when I hear mm-hmm. that. Every single every single mother, biological mother, has the right to, to parent their child. And if you find yourself in that situation and you initially desired to go forward with an adoption but have since changed your mind during the process, despite the fact that child's child services is involved, you still have you have the right to try to reunify with your child, to go through the court process, and to, to secure your parental rights and to satisfy the court that whether that means going through parenting classes or rehab or whatever sort of requirements that the court is has placed on you, you have the right to do that and should never feel pressured to go forward with an adoption. I'll say that the benefits of private adoption in those circumstances are A, that you get to choose the family, and B, that you, in most states, um, if that state law allows, can have ongoing contact with the child. Of course, when the child goes into foster care, there's no guarantee of that, and you there's almost a guarantee that you won't be able to choose the family and that you won't have ongoing contact. But that is something that is absolutely up to you. And another reason why it's so important for you to have an attorney that you can talk these things through with, and so you have a really clear understanding of your rights um, and responsibilities under the law in those circumstances. So lastly, I I do want to talk about what it's like to leave the hospital because um, leaving the hospital without your baby is truly like the most heartbreaking experience. And it's important to just be aware of that, that you're not going to walk out of the hospital feeling like, okay, tomorrow's another day. It's not going to feel like that. It is really, it is a terrible experience. When you do get home and ask yourself, what am I supposed to do now? Know that you do not have to have it all figured out. You don't need an answer for what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now can just look like I might just sleep today. I might just make sure to eat, make sure to get those very basic needs and just to take care of yourself. Make a plan of action before you leave the hospital. When are you going to have your first open adoption visit if that's going to be incorporated in your relationship? How often will you be communicating with the adoptive family? Can You can ask the adoptive family, can you send me a picture when you get home? Can, you, can we have a FaceTime this week? And find out when, we're, when am I going to be receiving pictures and text messages? And this should all be stuff that you know, is in your post-adoption contact agreement. And we'll, and we do get to that in our open adoption episode. However, I do think it's really important to also verbalize these things at the hospital with them because you just, I think you need that extra reassurance, especially in the very beginning, because it is such a fragile, delicate relationship. And oftentimes adoptive parents don't know if it hasn't been really thought through and planned through ahead of time. 
they can be very unsure about what to do. Mm -hmm. And they're going through their own emotions, really intense emotions. And even in most situations, they really want to do and they want to be sensitive to you, but they're really unsure. So I get questions like, should we send pictures? I don't want to remind her. Guess what? She hasn't forgotten, but I don't want to remind her. I don't want to be, I don't want to be invasive. I want to be, we want to be sensitive to her. So having those conversations and if it's too hard to have them directly again like that's what your, your attorneys for or mm-hmm. the hospitals mm-hmm. or the, the agencies the agency social worker ahead of time to say okay and yes you can change you can say no I, I don't want them right now I'll check back with you but to have a plan so you see that you're going to be having this sort of communication going forward and the other thing I would say is have a have counseling in place before before baby's born so that when you're discharged from the hospital that you're going to be checking in with that counselor who you already have a relationship with the next day or a couple of days later after you've had a chance to sleep a little bit the you know the other thing is there's some practicalities to be concerned with when you leave the hospital like how are you getting home i recently had a case where i asked that question and the answer was i'm going to i guess i was going to uber and I said, absolutely not. You're not Ubering home from the hospital. That just should never happen. So we made other arrangements. But thinking about those are intense moments and those are memories that you're creating. So making sure that there's support in place for you, making sure that just things like getting your prescription, if you have pain medication or if you need to pick up a giant package of those huge extra thick pads <laughs> that you're going to need or Definitely. your depends exactly your post-pregnancy depends or you're just having well, food in your refrigerator yeah having meals or yeah. like f- meals for your kids at home and child care for your kids yeah thinking about when's a realistic time that i can go back to work stuff like that I'll think the about self-care. these things yeah beforehand and making a plan can really help you afterwards i will say that and, and like I mentioned earlier, I did not have a connection at all with my pregnancy. It was just very traumatic time. And I like think of those things that you used to say out loud to people and you're like, oh, it's so cringy. I used to say, you know what? I know myself and I feel like I'll be fine. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. I don't. What I have got I, it. What have I? So I felt really dumb afterwards um, thinking back on me saying that. And not because it was a dumb thing to say, just because I didn't know. You just don't, you don't know what you don't know. But yeah. we're here to tell you that's like, not really. We know what you don't know at that's this point. Right. So we're trying to tell you. Because it is, it does affect adoption affects women in different ways. Not everybody mm. grieves the same, but they do grieve. And whether you start that grief process now or in 10 years, which I don't recommend, Mm. by the way, it's going to happen. It is work. It is hard, grueling, emotional work. But it is worth it to progress through your healing process. And you will be a healthier person. And I always say to women, too, if you're going to make the decision to place your child for adoption, do not waste this opportunity because... Whether you have an open adoption or not, your child is going to come to you with questions someday. Mm. And you do want to be working on yourself enough to be at a healthy place in life to meet them where they are, to answer those questions and give them the information they need and possibly build a beautiful relationship with your child. And you can't do that unless you spend a little uncomfortable time 
working on yourself and your grief and healing process. Yeah, Got to do the work. Thank you, Kelsey. Yeah. So the hospital is going to be an experience, to say the least, but can have control over this process and utilize the resources like your own attorney and the social worker and the people, you know, a support person in your life to help you through this because you, you shouldn't have to go through this alone. This has been Thinking About Adoptions podcast. Thank you for joining us.